Welcome to Dark Days Radio episode 126, and I am one of the regular hosts, Chris, and I am joined by James. Hi, James. How's it going? Hey, Chris. Uh, it's going all right. Um, how about you? Uh, yeah, good. You know, we've recorded a few episodes. Uh, episode uh, one, two, four went out, which was, um, what was that? That's me and David talking about uh, our introductory episode for Dark Hammer. And last night we recorded also episode one, two, five, which was a interview with me and Mike with, uh, with uh, Gehenna Gaming, who are based in uh, East Coast, Boston area, who run events demoing horror games like v5 and cult and so forth uh so yeah lots of lots of cool content coming out and of course of course uh, of course we have dragon meat coming up and we can uh again talk a little bit about that uh because when this comes out i guess we'll be a week away from dragon meat that's gonna be exciting but that isn't the main focus of the show today we are reviewing uh the humongous book uh which was a you know a kickstarter uh rpg uh called the black void and we will get into what the black void is in this episode uh first of all uh james you've been up to much gaming wise whether it's rpgs or computer games i'm sure you've been playing something interesting computer game wise and there's really some interesting new release that you've discovered um yeah it's it's been a like it's been a busy month for games or busy last busy the last couple of months uh so D and wise i finally finished my my campaign uh i had the party dog fighting a necromancer who'd encant encanted themselves into a bee god thing and the party were flying around on bees shooting them with spells and stuff um so it's gone very off book very homebrew uh, right, but you know this is this is the same campaign where I had them using a giant mech made out of bones and stuff to fight a giant flesh octopus thing. Um, so you know it's it's good to kind of be done with that campaign now, and I can come up with something equally balmy for maybe another setting this time or, or another system even. Ooh, Ooh cool. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. That's a good gaming update. Um, right. Oh, what's that? Sorry, just seeing interesting releases on things. Um, yeah, so we'll quickly cover um, Dark Days Radio News. We said about the episodes coming up. Uh, we have events coming up. So there is Dragon Meat on the 30th of November, London, Novotel uh, Hotel in Hammersmith. Uh, there are very, It's mainly an RPG tabletop gaming uh, event. There are lots of uh, conve- you know, convention games, turn up and play type things. There's the podcast zone, which will be there as part of that. We'll be running a live play of Wrath and Glory using miniatures. Uh, I will be running at some point in the day a game of Vampire 5th Edition, running Project Backlight for that. A brand new scenario. And uh, we will also be running a panel about horror games. More of that to come. And also, James will be... Do some interviews for people, right? You'll be uh, helping me out, getting some interviews, taking pictures, like we always do at UK Game Expo and so forth. Yeah, I'm. I I quite like you know running the uh, running the floor and having a look around, seeing what interesting stuff is going on, and uh, and reporting back on that. Whereas yeah. you seem to have the you seem to have the demo games and stuff locked down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not running Wrath and Glory. David will be running that one. I've I've yes. written it. He's running it. I'm running Vampire. Um, 
but yeah, it's gonna be good. Um, and yeah, and then also, uh, I think it's like the sixth and eighth to the eighth of December. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Penny Arcade Expo, uh, unplugged. So packs unplugged. Uh, that's in the is that in Philadelphia. I can't. I don't know. You you'd have to look up yourself. But basically, um. Mike will be there with Gehenna Gaming, and they are running demos of V5. Uh, and Mike will be also running Project Blacklight, so we can get some more playtest feedback on the scenario, and then we can tailor it and eventually somehow get it out to the public. I think that covers all of that news. Um, the only other Darker Days radio kind of news from uh, White Wolf Gaming or Onyx Path Gaming of interest is the Kickstarter is currently running for Mummy the Curse 2nd Edition. Uh, that seems that's funded and doing well. Uh, and other gaming news, uh, let's say Fall of London, we've seen the cover for, that's for Vampire 5th Edition. And I am looking forward to picking up Necromunda Dark Uprising, because you know you've got to put down those those uh, perps uh, with the enforcers versus the uh, corpse grinder uh, gang who are chaos cult. With the news done, we will shoot over to the main segment of the show: our review of the Black Void. So, uh, James, uh, what is the Black Void? Um, we should actually first of all say who it's by, because he uh, kindly sent us a uh, the review copy of it. Uh, it's a huge PDF game. Uh, so the Black Void is by, I just want to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, Christopher Sivalson? Yeah, that's about, that's that's right, yeah. And uh, so he's originally from Denmark, but he's currently living in like Singapore or something. I don't know. But yeah, James, what's what's the Black Void? What kind of role play game have we got uh, in our hands here? So uh, Black Void. Well, it's uh, kind of fantasy, uh, fantasy cosmic horror. Yeah. Um, when when we've been talking about it between the two of us, uh, we actually mentioned um fantasy stargate as a a, a kind of like a, a pin in the in the kind of things that you might be doing with it yeah um, there's an element of that i think there's an element of planescape yeah the um uh there's a lot of exploring there's a focal city and there's also like easy access to very very different otherworldly environments to uh, to go and explore so where your campaign goes and what your campaign deals with might be very different. Um, yeah. But the uh, the game focuses around, uh, or at least the setting we're given in the book, focuses around uh, Lynn the Eternal, which, uh, or the city of Lynn the Eternal, which uh, exists as a, um, a trade hub and a staging post for explorers. Um, it 
it has access to the vast realms of the cosmos through um uh through voids yeah um which There's... are kind of portals i guess yeah they're they're these they're these tears in reality um mm. i was gonna say add to, add to the like to get more of an idea as well um i've been thinking really hard about what other things to draw parallels to uh the prince of persia series of games because this is as you said it's fantasy with cosmic horror kind of mythos like elements uh but there is also a very arabian nights kind of uh vibe to this uh then also because as you said there's the there's the this travel through the void from through these gateways from one planet to another uh so you can travel that either on foot, which I believe is quite dangerous, or you can do it on ships, on sailing ships. So I find that this game also has a vibe of kind of like um, Pirates of Dark Water, that classic cartoon series. Yeah, gosh, that's a, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? Um, and that was but... on an alien world as well. Yeah, like the... Uh... There's a a group that does most of the travel through the the void, and they actually do use they do use ships. It took me a little while to kind of rock that, yeah. When and going through the setting material, um, but uh, it probably also is worth mentioning that humans in uh, in this game are not the kind of de facto norm. Um, humans are actually very bottom of the pile. They're pretty much disregarded by all of the other races that inhabit the city. Um, they're, a, uh, they're scraps of a surviving people. Yeah. Um, and so you actually don't have a lot of standing as a human. Because um, that's, that's also a, an important point, is that humans have been deposited across the cosmos and, and uh, by the void. So somehow the void, you know, this, this other realm... This kind of realm of you say realm of chaos, but yeah, it does have definite vibes of that. You know, has picked up humans from I think Sumeria and that kind of era, uh, and deposited them across the cosmos. Uh, so yeah, any power structures that humans have, uh, which they did have as a society, are gone. So it's kind of like there's that's a and that's an important thing is to reclaim your society and your identity as as humans um yeah yeah there's a lot of uh uh there's a strict there's a strict structure in the city already but humans are trying to figure humans are trying to establish themselves and find where they fit yeah um, and uh because of that there's various factions and all this is um all this is detailed in the book quite nicely uh one of the bits, in fact, that I particularly liked was when, when getting to the factions and the districts of this city, they actually had a lot of, uh, a lot of information delving into. This is what's in this district, and here's a bunch of plot hooks for it, and here are some of the important characters. So yeah. you can actually, you have a lot of this, uh, you have a lot of this information to actually take, like dig into and uh, and build upon. You're not having to. Oh my gosh! I have to last minute like come up with a power structure of who's in who's on top of these people and stuff. It's quite, um, it's quite um, sandboxy. Um, the setting that's the default setting that you're given this uh, this 
the city of of Lynn the Eternal. Um, and then the other thing which strikes me with the the way the book is not laid well, kind of laid out maybe a little bit, but also the the type of scenarios and stories you can run um, because you're at the bottom of the pile. You know, you are humans and wrecked, you know wretched little humans, while there's all manner of strange alien cosmic creatures that exist in the society that look down upon you um it's definitely got vibes of warhammer fantasy battle role uh, sorry warhammer fantasy role play where again you know it's quite a wide stretching setting but off you know typically you're playing characters that are not exceptional at all and i think the comparison is strong there as well because again the default setting is quite well is quite well fleshed out, which is the um, you know the the Reichwald uh, in in the Empire. So I see this as being spiritually, you know, kind of quite similar. And I think that also plays into other things like you know, Realm of Chaos, weird demons, where you've got kind of similar type thing. It's really just the the flavor and tone because this is more Arabian Nights rather than faux Renaissance Germany. Uh, and what's the other thing I was going to say that was kind of similar? And also the game has a has also you know well developed rules for like uh, magic and um, and insanity and 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 you know derangements and mutation. But we'll get into that a little bit more later. Right. Uh, where should we go with it now then, James? What do you want to just? What do you want to delve more into? Do you want to delve more into the setting part, or do you want to delve a little bit into the rules first? to give a feel of what the game how the game operates oh um hmm. that's an interesting question i think um so i i looked at the setting material and you had to look at the uh the, the rules in more depth i'd be interested to know kind of what what you got from the rules and how like character building works and bits like that sure um so you know it's quite standard you know run-of-the-mill RPG in some respects. You have traits like agility, awareness, stamina, strength, intelligence, persuasion, presence, and willpower. That's not surprising. Uh, these are ranked from 0 to 12. Uh, the system runs on a D12 system, and I think really a D12 system is useful because a D12 can work as a D4 or a D6 or a D3 or a D2 quite happily. Um, so, you know, it just makes different random number tables are uh, easy to do. Uh, obviously, depending upon the rank you have in these abilities, they then translate into a dice roll modifier. So it's not a straight... You have a trait score of 1, so you get plus 1 in your dice roll. Uh, so if you've got a trait score of 0, you get minus 3 to your dice roll. So a standard trait mm. is a level 3. 3 is average. So if you've got a 3, you get no modifier to the d12 that you're rolling. Uh, so that's 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 the basic traits, you know, nothing incredibly strange there. Then there are a bunch of talents, which again, this is why I draw a lot of comparison to Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, because that too has a lot of, um, you have your basic core attributes and then you have skills. Talents are, are kind of similar to the skills, but they a talent is something like you can buy ranks in it, and then the ranks give you bonuses when doing particular things. So talents, for example, are things like coordination, uh, direction sense, presence, 
composed, fearless. You know, I'm just looking at the different. So there's so there's different talents, and they're they're all um, attributed to a, a particular attribute that they run off. So that's makes sense. Uh, so there's a whole load of talents. Uh, then if we get into it, then there's a whole lot of flaws that you can get, which again adds more flavor to your character. Again, we're kind of, you know, if you take a flaw, you'll, it's, it's got a certain number of points attributed to it, which you can then spend on building your character in other ways. So that's very classic vampire that we're, we're looking at there. So, you know, you've got things like exotic illness or you've got gullibility or uh, bad reputation or you've got an addiction. So again, lots of different flaws there. Uh, then there's some stuff to do with backgrounds because I think you'll there's some bits in the setting material with the worlds that you come from that work into the backgrounds of the type of class of character that you are as well because it's not just building your human. There is, there's a lot of which world do they hail from, what type of society do they hail from from that world. Uh, so yeah, uh, backgrounds are things like allies and resources and so forth, which is again standard fare for like if you played vampire, uh, that type of thing. Uh, there's other thing, other things there as well, like void marked and half blood, which relate to if you if you're either you're a basic human or you're half blood, which I think means you've got some weird alien traits in there, or you're void marked, which means you've been corrupted and mutated by the void, and so you can actually tap into it and manipulate it which of course leads us into uh, other things such as attributes so attributes are extra weird things that'll happen if you've been void marked so for example or you're half blood so for example you can have longer limbs you can have horns you can have night vision multiple eyes wings i did say wings uh, venomous you know stuff like that so now we're getting a sense that you can play characters that are actually quite weird as well. And I think that's kind of quite cool. Yeah, I I was having a look. I had a little bit of a look while I was um, uh, going over it today, and I realized you could make a character. I mean, some of the thing for me with the book is like, if I can figure out, if I can have an idea for a character whilst whilst reading it, that really kind of helps me uh, helps me engage with the book. Yeah, system. yeah. Um, and I came up with a horrible person who is um, like uh, clumsy and has big claws, so they can't manipulate stuff, and is uh, has like the mollusk thing, so you're slimy, so people find it hard to grapple you, but also you drop stuff a lot. And I was just like a really clumsy, claw-handed person. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, you know that would, that would push you towards like power and all these things. And you'd be a fighty person, but a brute. And as soon as like as soon as things start to click. Um, yeah, I feel that's really where a system starts like grabbing your attention. Um, and then other things, uh, there are obviously various powers. We said there's magic in the setting, so there are blood rituals like bloodletting and sacrificial divination. So these are uh, rituals that can be performed. I think can be performed by any sentient beings. You don't have to be half blood, and you don't have to be void marked. So this is the idea of like, this is kind of like the ritualized magic uh, where you have to give up something of yourself in order to drawing, draw out that power, that energy. Uh, and then you've got, um, you've then got mysticism. Now mysticism 
is where you're drawing upon the power of the void and you can fall into one of and so you have to be void marked or half blood and you can fall into one of two types of characters here so you can be a furor or a gnostic and really that's all about how do you manipulate the void do you do it with intelligence and control or do you use it with your raw willpower and you just you know summon up this energy in a very uncontrolled manner now where there's parallels with this is that that's kind of your sorcerer versus wizard kind of thing isn't it i think yeah yeah the um uh the sorcerer is more of just an innate grasp of how magic works and they're kind of doing it almost uh second nature um and then a wizard is carefully studying the rules and yeah uh which which magical levers you can pull to get the world to do things for you and then the magic they can do and this is where it gets a little bit more complicated is very much like mage the awakening or mage the ascension because you actually have spheres now these spheres are forces life matter mind and void so in other words you think about it in the classic there are five elements so forces is you can manipulate energy heat fire gravity life is obviously organic life healing death so forth matter you know you can change it shape it transmute it mind is obviously delusions and insanity fear hallucination charming people domination mind control classics and then the void sphere is basically manipulating the raw energy of creation itself so chaos uh, and also space and other, other everything else that doesn't fall into the other spheres that seems rather cosmic in nature so i quite like that um oh and then you've got then you've got also skills and skills are listed as well so actually there's talents and then there's also skills skills are the the raw things that you would do so these are more like the skills you get in uh in warhammer fantasy roleplay so because i think in warhammer fantasy roleplay you've got skills and then you've got is it talents is it structured in the same way I think it is actually. So yeah, you know, these are all the typical things like acrobatics, anatomy, expression, herbalism, larceny, law, you know, streetwise and combat and everything else. So we have a fairly run-of-the-mill roleplay game in that sense, but there are elements which I recognize from different RPGs. Uh, and then you know, as you build your character, there are a plethora of well-defined uh, uh, close combat attack skills that you can use, uh, specializations, uh, and weapons, which kind of give the feel of the setting, because, again, it's trying to go for this very Persian, Sumerian, Arabian Nights kind of feel to it. Uh, uh, we've got sanity scores. Yeah, that's that's clearly very Call of Cthulhu kind of, and Warhammer with that. You've got something called Wastar, which is, I think, a measure of your social status. So there's a score to represent your your uh, your ranking within society. And then there's everything else, which, you know, often when you're building a character, James, it's quite, you've got everything else, because you know what you want your character to do. But sometimes people get too stuck on what they look like, because they can't come up with something without it being a bit too cliched. So... Yeah. Finally, there are some classic dice pool, uh, sorry, dice table, you know, tables you can roll on so you can determine the age, their uh, physique, 
their appearance, uh, if they're void marked, what their appearance is, if they're half blood, what their appearance is, uh, their personality, mannerisms. So there's a lot of guidance on that. And then there's a whole list of names because we want to keep the theme of this Persian Arabian Nights kind of feel to it. Uh, and then there is the personality archetype. So this is where you go, are you a traditionalist, are you a sage, are you a visionary, a trickster, a martyr, or a rebel? And again, that can build into... So there's a lot of guidance there on how you can build your character if you, you, if you need it. Uh, and that is basically character creation. Done. <laughs> uh, there's loads of equipment and weird things which are unique. Well, not unique to the setting, but again, reinforce the tone of the setting. So, you know, you can buy incense, you can buy tea, you can buy fine oils. There are oil lamps, there is uh, shisha and smoking herbs. There are all these interesting little things. So again, when you look at the equipment tables and everything else, again, I feel like I'm looking at a Warhammer roleplay game, which is actually really cool because... I would actually use a lot of this, even if I wasn't running this game. And I do feel now I'm in a position where I think I could run it, and I would mostly run the free scenario, because the free scenario is quite fun. I would also use this to help inspire me to run a game of Warhammer set in Araby, which is basically, you know, North Africa, Arabia area of the Warhammer world. So, again, it oozes that kind of theme and mood uh, yeah. there's tons yeah, I... of other equipment and uh, uh, salves, potions uh, scribe tools uh, again papyrus and all that stuff uh, we've also got pets and we're getting into the weird alien creatures that you can ride upon uh, there's an entire section on infusions and tea so again it's reinforcing uh, that poisons and venom so we get that kind of assassin kind of feel to it uh what else is there and there's also um like one of the things you can ride on is a giant beetle yeah and in fact later on in the book um so towards the latter half of the book is the the section for the uh the storyteller or the dungeon master um and that has a uh, a vestry of creatures and uh and denizens of these planes that you might encounter, and some of the more uh, esoteric creatures are really quite odd. There's a lot of a uh, lot of wildlife. There's um, some of the things that look like they should be creatures are actually yes, these are these are strange alien people. You know, you'll have a conversation with this thing with a mouth onto its top and its bottom and great big spidery legs. Uh, so it is a very alien setting. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also tons of, you know, transport boats. Boats obviously featuring importantly because it's obviously how you travel the void. So I already get an idea of like uh, the type of game I would like to run eventually if I was to run it. Um, I would actually try and emulate Pirates of Pirates of Darkwater. You are a crew of a small, uh, like, let's just say a small boat which has a crew of 5 to 12 people. So you know, the player characters of the bridge crew, you know, the captain and so forth. Uh, and you are, you know, you are sailing the void and returning back to Lynn because you are collecting lost artifacts of Samaria and then just go with that. Yeah, no, that sounds like it could be, uh, be quite good. That's quite a, um, uh, that 
that kind of pulls you in more to the kind of adventuring side. Whereas um, when I when I was looking at it, I guess because I've been looking at a lot more of the stuff about the town, I was like, okay, I could see maybe you're you know you're involved with one group and uh, lots of inter uh, conflict between between groups with different ideologies and things i could see you getting pulled into lots of kind of capery stuff um so i could i could see there being a lot of stuff to do in the city as well as outside of it yeah uh other things on rule system uh you know if you roll a one automatic fail roll of 12 it's not an automatic success but it gets you a uh so uh, so here we go so an unmodified roll of 12 for an for an action is an exceptional success but sometimes uh you, when you're for certain actions it may be like you actually instead of it being an exceptional success you roll a further d12 and you add that result on top so you know that, that allows it to that a, you know a crit isn't so swingy because it's actually still there's still a layer of success on top of getting a 12 you know it, it's uh it it isn't just oh you know a, a one in twelve chance and you just always get critical hits. It's a it's a you know, one in twelve chance you've got a chance of rolling a bit higher again. So that's okay. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. And combat is standard fare again with you know roll for initiative, clear action, attack, uh, and either it'll be resisted or not. Uh, there'll be parries and everything else in there. I'm not going to get into combat systems because they're pretty much, you know, you can you can tell a lot by the game with its combat system, with the type of thing it's trying to go for, and it's is it's about as evolved as playing Warhammer Fantasy with its combat system. So, you know, that's my baseline of comparison because we don't have a system using dice balls. It's not percentile, but a D12 is may as well be percentile like in some respects uh yeah so with all of that i think we've covered a lot of of it um there are ridiculous tables for exceptional hits so again ridiculous critical hit tables mishap tables again the parallels to warhammer fantasy are very strong uh if your spells go wrong there's all kinds of calamities that can happen as well so i think there is yes there definitely is uh some of that uh, let's see what else is there. Delirium, yeah. Okay, fear tables, yeah. Uh, madness tables, yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, there's there's a lot in there. So, so with all of, so with all of the powers and equipment and how the game operates, how does that all work together with the setting material then? So all this information helps fill out a uh, a very fleshed out. Uh, Feeling city. There's the, the city itself, which is Lim the Eternal. That's seven uh, seven major districts and an external kind of shanty town around it in the uh, in what's known as the Barrens. Um, the Barrens are a a large expanse of pretty much empty earth, uh, which is kept clear to make sure that uh, roving animals are discouraged from from reaching the town, as well as uh, giving them a clear spot for any kind of marauders or, or people looking to assault the city. So they are uh, they are focusing on, well, there is that awareness of some things, things could come to the city. It's not a completely safe 
plain in and of itself. Um, there's a, a large river, so they have uh, they have docks and uh, the so Kima is the shanty town that I've mentioned. Uh, Daris is the uh, the industry and the docks. Um, that's where also these uh, the red galley they uh, they ship their their big boats through. Um, and those are, I think, what's it? I think they're uh, rogues. Their um, their oarsmen basically aren't ever allowed out of the boats. Uh, Carmelia is the. Um, I'm probably butchering these a little bit, so I I do apologize. Uh, that is the merchant princes and guilds. Um, Pai Karan is temples and shrines, and there's temples of all kinds of faiths there, human faiths. Uh, as well as, oh, sorry, pardon me, it's a rogue dice, uh, as well as faiths of uh, these strange aliens and uh, diamonds and all kinds of uh, strange creatures. Um, uh, Der Betan is uh, at the district of arenas and merchants. So a lot of the, um, there's, a, there's a rule that is quoted as being very important in the city of Lynn, which is might makes right. Um, the rulers themselves aren't really hugely interested in maintaining a like a complex legal structure. Basically, if someone has slighted you and you managed, like, if you're the biggest, scarier individual in that that altercation, well, they probably should have got away with it anyway. So why not? And you know, if you want to, if you want to uh, settle that dispute, you probably need to crack some heads. Yeah. So the arenas aren't. Aren't just an entertainment; they're also a um, an adjudicating uh, or conflict resolution. We'll say um, there is Penderin, which is where the aristocracy live, and then there's the Morning Palace, which is where the unseen rulers uh, reign from. Um, and there's uh, to go with that. There's seven castes. Um, they all, uh, but um, one big thing with the city is that there's. Uh, it's said that there's a a big reliance on, uh, well, uh, many of the people in the city are slaves. As many as maybe, uh, as many as half the people in the city are slaves. So um, you can end up in slavery if you uh, if you can't pay your bills. Um, if you've, uh, as a punishment, if someone's um, someone's decided that you slighted them, they can force you into it. Uh, but uh, slaves can also buy their way out of slavery. Um, when their masters die, they can be released, um, or they end up being sold on. Um, what else? Um, so humans have really divided themselves in this city with might makes right. Really, one of the few ways to protect yourself is to uh, ally yourselves with um, enclaves, uh, enclaves. Um, and there are three three main enclaves to look at. There's the Beggar's Court, which is Thieves, Thugs, and the Lost. That's um, uh, that's probably for you know if you if you're maybe going to get on the wheeling dealing side of the law, um, what little law there is, then that's probably where you're going to be looking. Um, there's the uh, Firandani, um, which is Order and Law and Autocracy. Um, they've got a little bit of of respect because they have their own police force. Kind of enforcing what they uh, what they're trying to define uh, define as 
as right and wrong. Um, and then there is the assembly who are more about democratic rule amongst themselves as well as diplomacy. So trying to establish relations with other races and really uh, put humans on the map of the city. Yeah. So yeah, quite different ways of of um, trying to interact with the setting as it is and climb the social hierarchy. Either exploit the fact that you're looked down upon or try and take over or try and be nice and friendly and diplomatic. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of conflicts and situation like uh, sparking situations just inherent in the system. Like as um, as some of the lower down castes or castes, you can't uh, you can't enter some of the higher regions without express permission or maybe someone someone specifically escorting you. So just existing in the wrong place is enough to to spark conflict. Um, and uh, with all of the alien races as well, you know, to some point you're like some of them are huge uh, or strangely powerful. Um, you're really, uh, you're really like a bug in the eye of these some of these strange things. Um, and I think that just kind of makes it quite a uh, like it puts quite a bit of tension into it, but also means you could probably get some quite nice. Uh, <laughs> Probably get some quite strange interactions going on there. Yeah, and the other thing is, like as I said, the you know you're playing humans for the most part, and there's a there's a whole plethora of weird races that populate this city that obviously um, look down upon humans. So, uh, is there anything that stood out with the descriptions of um, of uh, any of the kind of creatures or entities that live in this world? Um, I mean, there's, there is such a lot of it that, uh, I've, I've read through the book, but trying to, uh, trying to pick it all out from memory is quite difficult. About half of it is, is strange creatures. Um, and strange worlds, because I'm just looking through again, there's like entire descriptions of like various planets, uh, mm -hmm. and the native species and, and what they do there. So... Again, yeah. I was going to say, again, it's like, it's kind of like you've got a gazetteer of, again, it's like a bit like Warhammer and like you've got various different city-states, but rather than city-states, these are like cities on different worlds, which ties into what you said. It's very um, Stargate-like. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's a few extra, there's a few planes described, so there's, that kind of sets out these up. This is what you might expect to find. There's also, at the beginning of the book, there's descriptions of planes in a more or areas in a more kind of general uh general manner so yeah. you can figure out like, okay yeah if you're if you're going to maybe a settled world it's going to be more like this and if you're going to a if you're actually just going to like venture out into a uh, a deep world um then things are going to be a real mess out there um and yeah. in fact, they say that the if you're truly trying to go to a deep world, they're they're difficult enough that like you can't really exist on them. So you probably go to deep, like close to deep worlds or the yeah. more stable of them. And um, there's a whole plethora of strange creatures to populate these these worlds. And um, in fact, yeah. I've 
I've dug out one of the ones that I uh, that did okay. stick out to me. Uh, it's called an eyebolt. Um, right. And it's uh, it's a looks like a black scaled one eyed fish. Um, oh right. It's a little like it looks a little bit beholdery almost in the um like a cross between a beholder and an aboleth if I was going to go with my my D and D parlance. Um, so it's a bit of a like a dark tentacled fish. Uh, and they start out as these, they, they fly, they don't dwell in water, they float around. Um, and they start out as just kind of small, uh, small fry. They, uh, but once they get close to, like they spawn in thousands. Um, but then uh, about half a year later, uh, they start just feasting on each other until eventually the few that remain uh, have kind of uh they've metamorphosed mm -hmm. and they now feed on like psychic energy wow okay so at that point they no longer actually eat flesh it's completely pointless to them um so the bodies in their lairs pretty much fall you know as a person just drops drops down you know all the bones non-nord on all the clothes fine just everyone withered husks um and they also become quite smart i think at that point yeah like very smart in fact um but very uh very reclusive yeah i was just looking at the um the descriptions of also uh, other sentient and uh, races that exist within the settings so we've got the uh, var the varin which look like they're void capable swimming kind of uh mermaid like creatures i guess is the best way to describe them uh, you've got lamasu which is classic bull uh, bulls with the heads of people so um, yeah uh, they look uh, with wings I believe so yeah they're kind of interesting and mostly magical because they don't have hands ghouls which are again strange looking kind of almost hyena like people uh, uh, jinn so you've got genies uh, you've got uh, devas, you've got various kind of godly azura. So, again, you can draw upon a lot of, um, and be inspired by a lot of uh, um, of Middle Eastern and Eastern mythology for for the entities that would exist in the world. Because the, the idea is, that, I guess, once humans have, have found a way to return to Earth, the they bring back their memories of all these strange entities and those are you know the gods and creatures that uh, exist in mythology yeah anunnaki uh weird fish whale person weird looking yeah esoteric species so those are esoteric species that talked about then there's the less esoteric species which are the general you know sentient beings that exist in the city uh like uh the sheer which has got like multiple eyes so there's almost kind of the other vibe I get of this is like if you were on uh, Tatooine in Star Wars, you know, humans could be slaves in Star Wars quite happily to various alien races and at the bottom of the pile. And you've just got this crazy smorgasbord of, of creatures that that uh, exist on this on this uh, strange world. So I think Star Wars actually has interesting uh, parallels uh, to look at there. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely freaking loads in this book. Uh, other things to say then as we wrap up, because I think we've covered pretty much everything here. Um, the artwork is amazing, is really top notch. 
Um, uh, the book is huge. I'm not too certain about the layout of the book, as in, I think some of the setting material could be a bit more upfront to get you more into what it's about and what you do. Yeah, I I struggled with some of the when I was looking at the the character building in brief, it was asking me to make choices that I didn't understand yes. at the point that I was being given them. And I feel like some more of that upfront would have would have helped it. Um, oh yeah, there's another list of sentient there's even sorry, I was just looking through, there's like even another list of sentient species rules which uh, don't have particular rules, but you, you just add the traits onto onto things, onto basic humans, so that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, um, the other thing to say is, at times, the font is a little hard to read in places, so they've got this really f fancy uh, font for, uh, which looks great, but, as you pointed out, A's, M's, and N's. N's. Let me just see if I can find an example of that. Yeah, a very similar looking. Uh, so, uh, like an N and an M. An M looks like two Ns put together, and it's you could misread it. And an A looks like an N, but with a, just a dot in the middle. Yeah, when so, I when I saw the word sanity, I thought I thought it said Smitty, and I was oh, like, right. what What is this? But because that's unfortunately got all all of them smushed together. Yeah, um, but that font. That font is only used in uh, section titles and uh, chapter titles. So, yeah, like it's not the actual main body of the text is fine. And once you start, uh, once you start looking at any section, it's usually got the word in it. So if you do have a little bit of a struggle and you're like, "What is, what is this?" It's quite easy to, oh yeah, okay, it's this, right? Uh, let's see. And the last thing to to end with then is as we said there's a free scenario you can download from dry throw rpg for this uh which is called let me just bring up the thing i've got it in my emails i've read it it's good uh it is called no, that's not the right email that's not the right email i'm looking for the dry through rpg email of uh notification there we go it is called the flight from salvation square and you have some pre-generated characters, but you could feasibly run it with your own characters. Um, it has a lot of... It's kind of freeform, the scenario, but it has some good structuring that there's there's a good external stimulus for why the characters have to work together uh, to achieve their goals. Uh, I'm not going to say too much more about it, because I actually quite like the way it, it operates, and um, I can see some, again, some ideas of of that style of scenario being used for Warhammer, because uh, it's but yeah, it's it's a good it's a good introduction to the setting and really gets across the the tone and the themes of playing uh, lowly humans in this alien world. Uh, is there any last comments or thoughts then, James? Um, hmm. so I think that's uh, I think that's the, oh um. Weirdly, as as for more reference, I do sometimes get a a kind of uh, Terry Pratchett Discworld Ankh Morpork vibe from it. I okay. think just um, just because of the uh, profusion of other races, like I I feel like a lot of the um, uh, you could have some interesting kind of 
uh, you could take some interesting inspiration from that. I feel because there's a lot of a lot of very non-human stuff going on in that city. Yeah, um, I would also uh, also with the way the setting works, especially again with the kind of get the the descriptions and the alien vibe. Definitely look at Gene Wolfe's Book of the New Sun series. Uh, I think that works quite well. Also, uh, again, thinking about other game lines where you can possibly draw some similar inspiration from uh, Exalted with its uh, setting, um, its, which is a fantasy setting, which has various weird races in it. Uh, look at uh, the City of Cinnabar, which is basically... Arabian Nights in Exalted. Uh, so you could look at that. Uh, yeah, but I think we've covered pretty much everything. I'd be keen to get hold of a copy of the PDF of the campaign book or whatever it is, the, this larger PDF, to see what there is to play it. Because I think I look over at Sam and I, I go, Sam, Arabian Nights feel Warhammer-ish setting? Could be cool. Being like, being like, you know, Aladdin style, but with aliens around you, kind of deal. But it's still fantasy. She goes, she guesses. I, I think, I think we can, we, we can at least try out the this introductory scenario and see how how it works. Um, but I think that is it, James. How? What do you think? Do you, is this something you you be keen on running at some point soon? Um, or in the near future? I think I. I struggled when I first read it, and I think that's like it's a lot of book. Yes. Um, so trying to trying to figure out what to do with it and which bits are useful at the beginning was quite difficult. But having having gone back a second and third time, I've looked at it and I've been like, okay, I could, yeah, I could I could run something with this. Um, could be something to do for Darker Days Radio. Do a, a playthrough, just do a single one shot, get an idea of the rules from it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll just run the introductory scenario, the free scenario, and just run that. I think that could be, I'd be pretty neat because I, I usually like to be a little bit more confident in a, in a like a rule system and a, a setting before I start uh, completely discarding it and going off book and, <laughs> yeah. and homebrewing things. Um, but I think there's the thing. The thing with this is that there's a very good sandbox to work with with the, the, the setting as provided, but also there's a lot of scope for just going completely crazy, like, you know, traveling the cosmos in your, you know, your, your sailing ship looking for lost artifacts of, of, uh, of, of, um, Druaga and, and, uh, Tiamat and so forth. Um, oh, that's quite good. That's actually, I just thought Tower of Draga might be a good bit of inspiration because that's really weird anime, but like in, on a kind of a weird alien world ish type setting. Um, you could recover all the interesting bits and remove all the weeb. Uh, yeah, okay, remove all the weeb. That is the message. That's the message. Remove the weeb. Surgically extract the weeb. Um, right, is there any last things, James? I think we've covered it all there, haven't we? Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about this. It's been um it's been a it's really been an interesting book to go through. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so if people have comments about this episode or other ones, they can email us at 
darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. They can find us on Twitter at darkerdaysradio. They can find us on Instagram at darkerdaysradio. They can also come to our Facebook. They can also find us on Discord. We have a little Discord uh, server where people discuss various things. Uh, you can also find our blog where there's pictures of miniatures and battle reports and other reviews that don't really fit the format of uh, audio. Uh, we also sometimes Twitch stream and we have the YouTube for, again, things that don't quite fit an audio format. Uh, also, if you are interested in supporting the podcast and you want us to make write more stuff, uh, you can either pick up from the Storyteller Vault. Uh, uh, there's three PDFs out on the Storyteller's Vault for Chronicles of Darkness. They are Ashes of Memory, uh, The Hunger Within, and uh, Venice on Mass, which is for Changing the Lost. And James, of course, you have a few things on the DMs Guild. Uh, so you've got, what, three PDFs on there, which are yeah PDFs um, that contain cool stuff yeah i've got uh i've got two pdfs which are additional magic items um some of them some of them not particularly game breaking or like uh world changing but kind of fun uh, fun character enhancing stuff the little um, things matter though the little things do matter yeah i i've got a i've got one of my one of them, one of the ones that a friend of mine really liked is there's a there's a magic comb and when you comb your hair it can magically change the color and it fixes it in whatever style you want and makes it longer or shorter and for a character who's bothered about their appearance you know you got to look good when you're flinging fireballs and jumping off dragons and stuff so you know uh, fun stuff like that and there's also a race of uh, there's a race of tiny jellyfish people who I absolutely love and they are my babies and anyone who has a bad word to say about them. I wonder uh, if there's an equivalent to them in the, <laughs> in the Black Void. I get the feeling the most probably is. Um, uh, they're, they're, you know, even if it's not, even if it's not in the book, you could probably quite easily put one together. Yeah, I mean, heck, you could make one as your uh, playable character if you pick if you pick Void marked. Oh yeah, you could you have, a little you jellyfish guy. Face of tentacles, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I think that is everything. Uh, I've kept you long enough. Uh, and if you, yeah, I think that, that is it. So, um, yeah, other feedback. Obviously, people get in contact with us. Uh, if you're playing the Black Void, tell us how it's going. Um, but that is all. Again, James, thank you for your time. Thank you for reading through this huge freaking book. Uh, thank you to Christoph for sending us uh, the review copy. And uh, we'll talk to you soon when we're back with more dark hammer uh and obviously uh more uh interesting stuff for from dragon meat that'll mostly be some of the next episodes so uh that's all for now and we'll see you soon bye bye